Welcome to the Don't HR Alone podcast, your weekly source for news and updates relevant to the HR profession. We also bring you monthly interviews with HR leaders, CEOs, and small business owners, along with our weekly updates. Each week, you can tune in for updates by following us on the social media of your choice. We post to LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also subscribe by going to don'thralone.com. And our show is on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher Radio, where you can subscribe as well. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Rami Alijil, and welcome to episode number 58. Today, we're answering questions asked by our listeners, all about FMLA, HSAs, holidays pay, and absenteeism. Let's just dive right in. So, first up, when the, with the holidays coming up, I thought we could briefly discuss whether holidays count towards the time used against the FMLA leave entitlement. See, it depends on the type of FMLA leave the employee is taking. FMLA leave may be taken in periods of whole weeks, single days, hours, and in some rare cases, even less than an hour. When a holiday follows, falls during a week in which an employee is taking the full week of FMLA leave, the entire week is counted as FMLA leave. However, when a holiday falls during a week when an employee is taking less than a full week of FMLA leave, the holiday is not counted as FMLA leave, unless the employee was scheduled and expected to work on the holiday and used FMLA leave for that day. So it's kind of like uh, the same way we treat salaried employees, right? But under, uh, you know, in terms of do we pay them? If they work that week, you pay them. It's the same thing with this. FMLA leave counts towards, or holidays count towards uh, FMLA if they were scheduled to work that day or they'd only taken off certain parts of the week. If they're taking the whole week off, then um, the entire week is counted as FMLA and the the um, holiday doesn't affect it. Otherwise, you basically can't count that holiday towards the FMLA leave balance. So our next topic was sent to us from a listener. He asked, if an employee turns 65 this month and enrolls in Medicare Part A, can he still receive or contribute funds into an HSA until the end of the year? That's a good one. That's a, that's a really good one. The employee may contribute to his HSA only when he meets all four eligibility criteria. One, is enrolled in a qualifying HDHP, does not have any disqualifying non-HDHP coverage, is not enrolled in Medicare, and cannot be claimed as another taxpayer's tax dependent. Eligibility is determined on a monthly basis, though, so contributions cannot be made for a particular month unless he meets all of the criteria for that uh, eligibility. The law governing HSA sets up an annual limit on maximum contributions. For 27, uh, 2017, that annual limit is 3400 bucks as a single person, 6750 if enrolled for family coverage. For persons age 55 and older, an additional catch-up contribution amount of $1,000 is allowed. If not eligible for all 12 months since he turned 65, the annual limit is prorated. For instance, if the employee was eligible each month from January through May, then became covered for Medicare on June 1, his maximal, maximum allowable HSA contributions for 2017 would be five-twelfths of the usual limit. The month he turns and gets that, that um, ineligible coverage because he gets Medicare, that's the month you count out. He cannot do it that month. The rest of the year prior to that, he can. And in theory, he can actually make the contributions after he joins as long as the year's total 
does not exceed that eligibility. Employees participating in HSAs are encouraged to review their own situation with their personal tax advisor. Keep in mind, as an employer, you are not responsible for making sure that is compliant in terms of the contribution amounts. They are individual accounts. They could be doing other things on the side. Depends on their spouse's coverage, all those kind of things. So it's good to advise the employee, but if they over-contribute to it, then it's a matter of his personal taxes to rectify it. So I hope that was helpful. Uh, our next question is from a business owner in a pretty sticky situation. They said, quote, one of our newest hires, new hire, has already missed a significant amount of work, and we have been talking about terminating her employment for absenteeism. She told us today that she is pregnant and her medical condition is the reason for her absences. Can we still move forward with the termination? Whew. Well, while it, it might be a simple decision to terminate employment for a new employee who has been unreliable and missed a lot of month work, you must consult with your legal counsel prior to taking any form of disciplinary action in this case. Pregnancy is protected under the PDA, Pregnancy Discrimination Act, which amended Title VII of the Civil Rights Act and expands unlawful sex discrimination to include pregnancy, childbirth, and pregnancy-related medical conditions. The PDA provides that an employer may not refuse to hire, may not terminate or otherwise discriminate against a pregnant employee and must treat her with the, the same way the employer treats other temporarily disabled employees. Some states, I don't know what state you're in, actually offer additional protection for pregnant employees beyond that. When you're considering terminating this employee, reflect on the reasons why you hired her and the training you've already provided to onboard her to the job and your company. Think about working with her to see if there might be some temporary changes you could make to help her work a more regular schedule. Maybe adjust her hours to later in the morning if she's currently having morning sickness. If she has doctor visits, maybe we can pre-schedule those out. The key is to give her the same kind of consideration you might give another employee suffering with a temporary condition before resorting to employment termination. The fact that she's new doesn't matter. Even though you don't have the long-term goodwill, once she's your employee, you have to treat this as a temporary disability. If there are other reasons besides these attendance issues that are causing you to contemplate terminating employment, document. Be sure you have documentation detailing how her performance is falling short of expectations and what training and coaching you have provided to help her be successful. You probably want to, let me just say, you're going to need to consult with your labor attorney prior to taking action if she's pregnant, okay? Or she's told you she's pregnant. As always, I encourage you to submit your questions and topics if you want to see, you know, if you want more information about this. If you need more depth or you want to let us know what state you're in, we'd love to investigate further. And for the rest of you listeners, submit to your topics on uh, uh, Poplar Financial's Facebook or Twitter. You can also find us at don'thralone.com. Subscribe to us on Google Play Music or iTunes. We would love to help you uh, investigate and uncover any HR issues that we could help you with. Have a wonderful day. Go out there and get your work done. <laughs>